This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good afternoon, St. Louis. DGS on X. Gorgeous day out there. I told Rage, let me know as soon as we have this sound. And uh, then I put my headphones on and started doing the robot to Queen. And <laughs> every, good, everyone too. had to be like, hey, hey. And I'm like, you. For a second, I thought we were doing the uh, pyramid game. I was about to pop and lock, but I didn't want to intimidate anyone. Oh, you should have done the worm. Oh. Nah, anyone can do the worm. <laughs> yeah, I did the worm when I was a kid. <laughs> no, you, you did a lot did of things it. as a kid. Hell yeah. 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 And then I stopped. You Some of them. I don't do anything do anymore. Oh yeah, it was, bro. Mm. <laughs> Dave, Dave, do, do not. We're here for an hour. Just, do not let her talk to me like this. Just do for like the your, next hour. Do like our dads used to. Just reach in the back seat and backhand. <laughs> I never, I never had that. No, my siblings were much older than me. Okay, so I kind of do it to myself. <laughs> so they'd say, "Stop touching yourself." That oh, lasted a no. long time. Yeah, that's uh. Yeah, <laughs> that's a different. Amy's thing. gonna be fine. <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Amy's ear, shoulders are on her ears. Amy's very confrontational. If you haven't noticed, I have gotten more so since working with you. Oh yeah, it's my fault. It is. I used to be nice. I even tell people this. I tell my mom, I'm like, I don't like who I am anymore. <laughs> tell my mom. <laughs> Ron, she tells her mom on you. I do. I, uh, I, do. I tell my mom. like I don't. This like is it. going somewhere. <clears throat> I saw a movie not too long ago with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and her husband is a therapist, and he has this couple, David Cross, and I forget who the- Amber Tamblin, his real-life wife. Oh, was it really? Uh-huh. That's great. And they hate each other, and he keeps seeing them in therapy, and it's a running thread through the movie, and by the very end, he, he says, I'm just going to be honest with you. You need to get a divorce. There's absolutely nothing here. You just, and they're all like, what are you talking about? He's like, you hate each other. You resent each other. You just need to get a divorce. (laughs) 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 I was like, I don't get it. (laughs) No, but seriously. I don't hate her. No, you make me worse. As a person. <laughs> well, you left out the other part of the movie. When he tells them they need to get a divorce, they then turn on him and ask so for all of their yeah. therapy money back. So I <laughs> yeah. kind of feel like that might be. So you saw that movie? Yeah, I, I watched movie, it on right? the plane to Japan. Yeah. It was good, but I also was like, what was the point of this movie? It was like, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love the way it ended. I don't remember how it ended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I need to jump right in with the debates. Can we do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, did anyone see Westworld? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you remember the weird, awkward stance that the robots had when they were turned off? Yes. That's what DeSantis looks like. Yes. Sort of forward-leaning with a blank look on his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a, that was my first observation. Like, oh, my God, he's the Westworld robots in the basement. And that's why he hates Disney. Then the second thing, <laughs> and this is not so much DeSantis, although it is, I thought, what if last night during the debate, DeSantis was like, okay, this is not a debate. I am the leader of the aliens. We're real. <laughs> We've been here, and I'm here to introduce us. How disappointing would that be? Like, after decades of UFO films and all this stuff and Alien and E.T., what if they're all just a bunch of DeSantis's? Like, that could happen, right? Mm. We have the aliens built up into, like, face eaters or lizard people. What if they're just a bunch of doughy guys in heels? Well, then if, if well, we don't have to worry about him, then do we? An alien. I feel like Kamala Harris would also be like, "Listen, we didn't. I'm also an alien. We didn't mean to be on opposite political parties. <laughs> I made it further in the government than he did. That was a mistake because I think she also has that very robotic, trying to be a human uh, persona. And the thing is, you know, they, they both are accomplished. They both have to be smart looking at their pasts, um, you know, whether They're it's military service. Yes. Attorney General of California, the schools that they went to, you know, it's there. But being in the public eye is not there for yeah. Okay. Now to the serious part. Uh, there was a lot. There was a lot that happened last night, but this stood out to me. And for a specific reason. So, Rage, will you play that that sound? I think the real enemy is not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take on. And if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? That the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11. That the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform that the 2020 election was indeed stolen. So, I've... He hit them all, man. Every single one. The only thing he didn't do is, like, bring up the Bilderbergers. So I've lived a life in politics when I I didn't mean to. I got into this job 24 years ago... I wasn't political at all. I ended up on, you know, 97-1 turned into a political thing, then it turned into a Republican thing, and then a very conservative thing. And I was one of the first people to be called a rhino, which I always told people, like, I'm not a rhino because that's uh, Republican in name only, and I'm not a Republican in name. I'm just an independent guy, yada, yada, yada. But I've taken a lot of crap. And I would just like to give a little crap back, okay? So years ago, when the whole rhino thing started— and it was basically, hey, Dave, you're a rhino because you like John McCain and you like Mitt Romney. And we don't like them because they're basically sissies and they don't fight hard enough. And the Democrats have become much more aggressive and we want fighters. We want warriors. So they're rhinos and you're a rhino. OK, that at least made some sense. May not agree with it, but at least it's like, I understand the words you're saying. Last night, one of the four finalists on the debate stage for the Republican nomination for the president 
said that January 6th was a government op that we've been lied to about 9-11. And correct me if I'm wrong, but replacement theory is the whole Charlottesville Jews yeah. will not yeah. replace yeah. us. Yeah, it's a white yeah. supremacist yeah. thing, which is— Tell me again that I have moved away from the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. I haven't moved a effing inch. The Republican Party— as witnessed by what's going on with this, has gone nuts. Now, is every Republican like that? No. John Hancock's not like that. Lots of my Republican friends aren't like that. But they're also on an island. The Republican Party has become psycho. It's become conspiracy theorists. It's become QAnon. And it's just like when people say, well, the good Muslims should step up and tell the bad Muslims to quit doing all this terror. Or the good this should step up and tell the bad this. And You see what I'm saying? This happened last night. One of the four finalists did, went full-on conspiracy. Replacement theory? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How dare anyone anymore unless you're one of those people and if you are i'm terrified of you it's not amy and i have moved away from the republican party this is where the republican party has gone and we had nothing to do with it so shut up i mean it just makes me crazy i'm so tired of taking crap Mm -hmm. because like oh you've really changed you really this you've gone woke blah 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 i haven't I haven't changed. I've, I, I hold 90% the same values and beliefs that I have for 15 years when I first became political at all. But if you expect me to sign on to that bullcrap, and I don't care whether it's under a Republican flag, a Democrat flag, a socialist flag, a Nazi flag. I don't care what flag it's under. I am amazed. Last night watching this, I was slack-jawed. That this was happening. And I'll go even better. The audience applauded. Yeah. The audience applauded replacement theory. Did, there was one, one real quick. There was a, I only saw one straw poll from last night. NBC News did it. And so just, you know, quickly asking a, a, a small group who won the night. And the overwhelming majority was Trump. They said Trump, which is fine. I get it. He wasn't even there. The next most votes was Vivek. And, and and in front of Christie and Haley and everybody else. And I thought, really? Like, how do you watch that and go, yeah, that guy's, he's, he gets it. Like, I don't understand watching that and saying that that, that person is speaking truth. No. And I, and I, and I know he is. No. And, and to Dave's point, like, I haven't moved. Dave hasn't moved. The Republican party has lost its mind. Do you know why? Do you know who's anathema now? Whose name is anathema in the uh, right the far right, the Republican Party, the Vivek Ramaswamy's, Ronald Reagan. If you're a Reaganite Republican, get the hell out of the GOP. You don't belong here, you rhino. Like, it's the weirdest things. They're they're wackos, and it's frustrating because I do have traditional conservative values and beliefs. And guess what? I'm not a Democrat. Just because the Republican Party has lost its freaking mind and is Q and is weird, conspiratorial, and embarrass me, embarrassing, I'm still not a Democrat. Those I, I don't agree with a lot of Democratic policies. Uh, there are some real issues as far as our uh, m- 
cultural, our nation's values, uh, where we hold our truths, right? Those are big deals that I would like to discuss. But as Ron said, I, a lot of times I feel on an island because I can't discuss them with the Republican Party for whom I voted historically. And this is not a guy who's standing outside the building with a bullhorn, you know, like when right. you go to the ball the game stage. and there's the guy with the drum set and he's witnessing to people and he's screaming at everyone. This isn't him. He's on the stage in the final four getting applause for this stuff. Well, this is, I mean, there are a lot of things that go into this. One is decades of undermining um, evidence. Your feel, how you feel about something, your gut matters more than what can be measured and proven. Well, my gut says this is what's happening. Well, your gut's stupid. You know, you need to have evidence to back things up. We, we, have, we have taken it to the point now where some anonymous person known only by a letter is influencing an entire party, not because everybody in the party agrees with that, but because they have to kiss the asses of the psychopaths that believe it. Because if they don't, they're going to lose. So you have to suck up to the people that believe that an anonymous person is only going to be able to tell you the truth by leaving hints and clues. They can't come out and say the truth. They can't come out and put their name on it. They can't do it in a normal way. You can't speak through Donald Trump, for example. You can't speak through a normal channel. No, he's got to go on 8chan, a message board for psychos and racists and all kinds of other terrible people. And that's the only way the savior can communicate with his followers. And they can only do that. We can't send a clear message. We can't say this is what's happening and when and why and how. No, no, no. We got to drop a breadcrumb. It's got to be like, it's got to be a puzzle. It's got to be like a little poem. and going to put a little message out there, little bit by little bit. What, how can you believe that? It's a fantasy story. If this person Q was real and actually had access to information, you think a real legitimate person is going to do it that way? I'll go you one better. I'm not even sure it has anything to do with QAnon anymore. I think it's become more mainstream. Evidenced by Final Four up there on the debate stage, getting applause, polling, showing that he won the debate. He's not he's not referencing Q. He's not quoting Q. He's referencing Republican platforms that a lot of people believe in. Now, again, a lot of Republicans do not. But he's not outside the building. He's not online. He's on the stage getting applause. You obviously know better than me because it's your friend and you've mentioned him a couple of times. And this was going back months about the stolen election. And then, you, you know, you present it to him. Well, well, here's what happened. And here's the evidence. This, 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 this and this. And you said your friend is not crazy, but he listened to it and said, yeah, but I just know he cheated still. I just yeah. know it. Well, you can't argue with somebody who just feels it and just knows it because it's not coming from a place of logic. And there are millions of people like that. And I honestly don't know how we break through to them. And <laughs> it's pretty bad when the stolen 2020 election is the least weird thing you're talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Like that was the that was the least troubling thing he said. I, I just, when you look at, we just were talking about extremes yesterday and 
you know, you see what's going on with universities, uh, the campuses, the anti-Semitism. You had all of these presidents of Ivy League schools testifying before Congress and just shocking and appalling how they wouldn't condemn violent, hateful speech. And I think, what in the world is happening as you see Hamas gaining popularity? And then you look to the right and you see these wacko conspiracy theories, as you mentioned, not just a fringe, but on the debate stage. And I feel very discouraged of the future of our country and our political parties is this if this is what they look like. Jeez. Ah, let me do it live. We'll go back and talk about it a little bit more. 125 DGS. In case you're tuning in, you don't know what we're talking about. This is what uh, Ramaswamy said last night as a final four finalist in the uh, Republican debate. Wait, Andrew, did we delete this audio already? Uh, no, sorry, I got it here. I just replaced it with something else on the screen because I didn't know we were going to play again. I'm so sorry. Don't there. Right, right now. There we go. I think the real enemy is not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take on. And if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? That the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11. That the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform. That the 2020 election was indeed stolen by big tech. That the 2016 election... So I just kind of want to echo what Amy said. Uh, And, you know, you can think whatever you want of me. I can't control that. But here's the truth. Uh, I am not a Democrat. If I were, I would proudly stick out my chest and say I'm a Democrat and I would be dancing on the grave of the GOP based on this idiocy, this vile filth that we're hearing on the debate stage last night. But I don't. I take zero happiness in it because what I want, because guess what? I'm sane and smart. What I want is a really strong Democrat party and a really strong Republican party who don't have giant differences, but they have differences, how they spend the money, where they put their emphasis, how we prepare for this, how we prepare for that. In a perfect Dave Glover world, that's what we would have. Two strong parties who are difficult to choose between because they both make sense. What I don't want are two insane parties where you have one of them that's pure conspiracy now. And then you have the other one that just seems to root for any bad person in the world. Apropos Cori Bush and all the stands that, that she seems to take. So people like me who get called wishy-washy and you can't take a stand and you're just a mushy, wussy guy. No, I'm just not insane. And I'm just not stupid. And what I really wish is that we could return to reason and logic and win each other over with arguments. And it is a it is a scary time. It is a scary time. I don't want to get on a soapbox. One, because I don't want to get on a soapbox. And secondly, I'm smart. I'm not smart enough to be a historical, you know, uh, uh, democratic republic and here's what it means kind of guy. But I do know this is the, the first and best experiment with what we're doing now. 
And shame on us if we ruin it, especially through stupid comic book thinking like this. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 75 DGS. Before we move on, uh, anyone else have anything else to talk about the debate last night? Wheels? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that stood out to me was, I, again, I, there's it, it, it was all such a schoolyard mud throwing contest everybody's yelling at each other and talking over each other that it was really hard to me to pick out anything of much good um and i don't know that everything about chris christie's performance was good but there was a part of it where i thought it was you know and of course it has to devolve into some insult right he insults vivek and does make some valid points about him but i thought it was interesting that he came to nikki haley's defense about just just the way that she was treated last night by the other two guys that and his point was what we're just talking about. Why can't we just disagree? Why can't we just talk about the different ideas we have? Why does it have to be a nonstop slew of insults? And of course, he then insults Vivek. <laughs> says, well, he's says, not wrong. He no, called him the most obnoxious person yes, in America. Yes, or something. but I mean, here's Vivek. He's he Vivek's fat shaming a guy. You know, he's calling, he's ripping on Nikki Haley. I mean, again, it's personal stuff. It's not policy stuff. And that's what wins. That's what struck me last night is you see the people who are saying, well, Vivek won. All they want is the car accident. They're the people that love in, in reality TV when someone has a meltdown. All they want is carnage because nobody won last night. Nobody looked good. Four candidates look like jackasses. Some less than others. I think Vivek was the biggest jackass of them all for what we just talked about with all the conspiracy theory nonsense. But other than that, it's all insults and and one-liners and crackbacks and all this stuff. I'm like, this is it. This is what we are. It's ju- we're we're living junior high at the highest levels of politics. I think Donald Trump laid out of the debates because he's an intellectual coward. But he wasn't wrong. No, he was right. He made the right decision, and he came out much better than if he'd been at those debates. You got to give him that, right? It, well, no. It, it, if in terms of uh, self-preservation, that's correct. I still happen to think that if we're doing debates, 
everybody who is a real candidate should have to be there. Agreed. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be uh, optional. But nobody, there's no, there are no grownups in charge to make such. No, I mean, you can't force it. I'm just saying that you should you should have to go, even though we know who he is and know what he's about. You should have to go make your case to the public. You know, I've said this before, and I'm sure I'll I'll insult everyone with this. uh, But I've been to many, many protests and uh, it's always struck me that there is a good number of people, regardless of what you're protesting. Who are there for the party? They're there. Oh, yeah, 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 they're yeah. there for the fun. For the chaos. They're yeah. there because it's interesting. Stuff like this is interesting. It is, but there's a difference between being a 23 year old smoking pot with your buddies in the basement, interesting, and trying to run a country, right? And I, I have to think that the people. Sadly, seeming like maybe 30% of our fellow Americans who are sucked into this, that to a lot of them, it's just because it's fun. It's more fun. It's more exciting to talk about conspiracies than it is to talk about, hey, what are we going to do about Medicare? Hey, what are we going to do about the border? Right? Real issues are pretty boring, which is why... No one put it on television until 24-hour news and until Fox News and MSNBC and CNN all took sides. No one watched it before that. Who's, who's, who's watching C-SPAN? No one cared because it was boring as hell. And what do we do? What do Americans do? We take traditional Chinese food. We cover it in sugar. We fry it. Look, now it's American. That's what we've done with politics. We've made it sticky and sweet and fatty and addictive and no longer boring, but not good for you. Yeah, you know what's not boring? I gave myself the bell good on that. Good call, man. <laughs> you know what's not boring is anger. And we've been selling anger for a long well, time. And I think, too, as we've become almost exclusively motivated by grievance politics and negative partisanship, where you just know... You know not so much what you're for, but you know what you're against, and you're against the other guy. So that's why anything that opposes the other guy, the other side, you are for that. But the more we get into grievance politics, you start to build an enormous level of resentment and distrust. And it's like a relationship. In a relationship, there can be arguments. You can have things that you disagree with, but once— the people in a marriage start to resent one another. It's almost game over immediately. Once you have true, deeply rooted resentment because there's no talking through it. Chris, she's be- talking about you. I know she is. <laughs> it becomes everything. The <laughs> I've reason- already filed the paperwork, though. <laughs> the reason why resentment is different than just straight up anger is because resentment is personal. It is deep. And that's where we've gotten in our politics where People have legitimate grievances on the left. We know it. People have legitimate grievances on the right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there are people who felt that they weren't heard, you know, that the the uh, kind of the titans of society, whether it's media or the legacy media outlets or like Hollywood, whatever it is, kind of looks down on the Midwest traditional conservative value. Yeah, you can feel looked over. Then you have 
those on the left who are standing up for more uh, for the civil rights and saying, hey, like there's been legalized racism for a long time and there's still the fallout of that. And we're still dealing with social injustice and we want to correct that. That's legit, too. But what happens when everything becomes based on grievances and victimhood and you have deeply rooted resentment, you're not bridging that gap. And, and it You're com- not bridging it anymore. That's exactly right. And you, there's a term that I think has been thrown around more in the last handful of years than probably any other time in my lifetime, and that is the, the term good faith. We don't do good faith arguments or disagreements anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all about winning over the other side, which is evil or needs to be defeated or is going to ruin the democracy or our societies. We know it. Nothing is done in good faith. Very, well, I shouldn't say nothing. The the things that matter and catch our attention no are not the standard. It's right, a, right. And yeah. you said earlier that it'd be nice if you had a good, strong Republican and Democratic parties that were having those good faith arguments and trying to reach a conclusion that helps the most people. But that is not where we are right now. Rach, thoughts. Um, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about Chris Christie and his role in the debates last night. And part of me wishes that he wouldn't have even showed up um, because it feels like he is just there to be a thorn in Donald Trump's side. But I, I just don't think that matters anymore. Um, I don't think the debates mattered at all. I, I, Tamara Keefe from NPR had said on PBS NewsHour like last week, these are people vying for distant second place. And that's what, I mean, it just feels like we had this storm of negativity and anger and everything you guys have talked about and these conspiracy theories being spread on national television. And it's really, it's for nothing. And it just makes you feel kind of silly, honestly. Let me ask you this question, Rachel, because I, I'm wondering this. I think that if anybody cares to study this cycle like 30 years from now and and really look back at Chris Christie during this whole run, I think if anybody takes the time to do it, they'll say, you know what? He was right. He was right about a lot of things. What I wonder now is if he's not going to get a nomination. He's not going to be the vice president. I don't know what he personally gets out of this short term. But I wonder if there are enough people that during each one of these debates, maybe his message is sinking into enough people to matter. It may not be a huge number, but is it enough to maybe make a small percentage of people rethink their position? Perhaps. Um and maybe I'm just more cynical than that, but Bill Burr was just on, I think he was on Jim, Jimmy Kimmel the other night, and he was saying that people make the mistake of getting emotional about Trump. He said Trump is a narcissist, whether or not you agree with that, but you have to give that sort of thing neutral energy. You can't come at it with like, and here's what else he did wrong. It's this, it's this, it's this. Everyone on the planet is familiar with who Donald Trump is. They're all familiar with his behavior, and they all have their feelings about it. I don't think I'm at this point going to change anyone's feelings. And for Chris Christie to be so, uh, you know, he's running. He's not running to win. He's running to try to take down Trump. I just wonder if that just gives him more, if that just gives Trump more power at the end of the day. Could. To spend so much time focusing on him. You know, if if the conversation keeps getting... Every time it went to Christie... I only watched about half of it last night. I watched the second half. Um, but every time Christie got a shot at the microphone, he would just change the subject back to Donald Trump. And it was like, well, we finally have, like, a respite from this. Why do you keep going back to the topic? It was just odd to and me. And his argument was that it's the only thing that matters right now because none of them on the stage have a chance. And right. he's, he basically said that. Yeah. Yeah, I- 
I think if you oppose someone, it doesn't matter. Polit- I mean, politically in this case. So in this case, you're you're oppo- they're opposing Trump. If if you haven't found a way to beat him, you have to do something different than what was done before. Because what happened in 2016? Nobody took him seriously. Everybody just kind of ah, he's Donald, and he ends up winning in part because of that. And, and I mean, winning the Republican nomination, not not winning the general. He, they, he won the general because people uh, don't like Hillary Clinton. And that's perfectly understandable because I said even in advance, that was their worst pers- pers- person they could run because too many people already have grievances. Back to Amy's word, grievance. But at some point, you do have to try something different because what, what, what people have been doing, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, what they've been doing again, to try to counteract Donald Trump hasn't worked at all. You know, uh, no one asked me this, but I'll answer it anyway. So I think, and I'm not sure about this, but I think I would rather have, uh, I would definitely rather have Nikki Haley. And I think I would rather have Nikki Haley, Christie, or DeSantis than Joe Biden. Um, DeSantis is a straight up goober. And he's too, uh, he's too, I don't want, when you say he's too conservative, that's like a self-trap, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah, I yeah. need another word for that because it's not that he's too conservative. He's too something, and I can't quite wrap my brain around what it is. Um, Adversarial? Maybe. But 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 anyway, my, my point is, uh, I think Haley last night sort of clutched up a little bit. Yeah. Now that she's kind of the the front runner, if yep, you will. Yep. And I think she played it a little too tight. Mm-hmm. I think DeSantis, uh, he said quite a few things that I rolled my eyes at, but I think he probably said the most things I'm like, oh, that's a pretty smart thought. That's at least a cogent, logical argument. Do you think that Haley could be pulling back because she wants to be Trump's VP? Possibly. Possibly. Because, I mean, a lot of people think that'll never happen because why would she have run against him in the first place and there's too much mm-hmm. bad blood. But I wa- Kevin McCarthy did this, like, uh, deal book summit thing last week with the New York Times, and he was saying if it, if he were Donald Trump, he would pick a Nikki Haley because she's the one polling highest. Yeah. So she's going to actually add to his campaign. Is Ron DeSantis really going to add to – I mean, he's not going to pick DeSantis. But you know I, I know mean? people just hate when I go off on Trump, the Trump lovers out there. But I'm just telling you the truth. I think Trump is going to make an emotional pick. Uh, Sure, to some degree it'll be strategic, but I think Haley would be his very best choice strategically, but it's not going to be whether she's the best choice strategically. It's going to be does she kiss his ass? Uh, is Is she going to outshine him? Is she going to seem smarter than him? I think that's what he's ultimately going to make his decision on. Yeah, like walk back the bird brain comments. I don't think he's going to do yeah. that. But if if like if I wanted Donald Trump to win, I w- and and he called me and said, "Who should I pick?" I'd say pick Nikki Haley because she'll bring in the people who you scare. He could walk all over Vivek. He could order Vivek around. And I could see him picking that because Vivek would do anything and everything that Donald Trump asks him to do. He's also a little bit noisy, though. Yeah. I think you know, one of the draws down. to Pence was he's not going to be upstaging yeah. you. He's not going to be out there, you know, fire, getting a lot of attention because yeah. that's what Vivek will do. Just as it's personality. Yeah. He's an outgoing dude. 154 DGS. You know, one thing just hit me. Uh, adulthood sneaks up on you. I remember being maybe a teenager 
And my dad was watching, like, Meet the Press or McNeil Lair or something like that. And I remember thinking, like, you know what? If I ever care about this stuff, just shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) How boring. Oh, my God, how boring. Just and, And now here we are, like, passionately debating this stuff for an but hour. But it's also not boring anymore. Mm. It was boring then. That's now how it's it not. Should be. We should exactly. make politics boring again. Oh, I also remember one time going to the wineries with my girlfriend when I was about 24 in her red convertible and we drove by one of her neighbors during the fall raking leaves and he is wearing shorts black dress shoes, and uh, uh, tube socks. And again, I said to her, like, man, if I'm ever like that, just shoot me. Now that would be dressing up. (laughs) (laughs) And at least he had a rake, you know? At least he had a rake, yeah. (laughs) I've had a lot of those moments, like, if I'm ever like that, not necessarily with politics, but with other things. It's almost like the kiss of death when you say that phrase, because I feel like karma's going to get you, and you're going to be that person. It happens. It certainly has with me. Oh, man. (laughs) Now I'm watching Meet the Press in my dress shoes and my. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Or we had we did like we we had a dog, but then they were like real dog people, right? You're like, this is our baby, and we're like, it's not a baby, it's a dog, and we would always kind of joke about that. And now that's us. We're like, it's Fantif, he's a baby. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> We've turned into those people. It's terrible. Isn't it kind of weird? What about Francis people? is pretty cute, guy. Huh? Yeah, Francis is delicious. It's all dogs are cute, but isn't it weird? <laughs> Isn't it weird, like, the people who, um, their casual attire is, like, khakis and a button-down shirt that they tuck in? Yeah. I'm a little, dressed, like, hey, I'm a little dressed down I'm today. casual on a weekend. <laughs> That's your it's casual, casual Saturday, guys. <laughs> I'll never be that. <laughs> it's true. I-, I love going grocery shopping, like, on Saturday morning. Yeah. And it's, like, 10 in the morning, and I'm wearing nothing but a tube top. Yes. And you'll see people <laughs> dressed like that, and I'm like, who are you? But so, your Saturday uh, thing. I don't want to name names, but 100% Fred Bottomer, that's as casual as he gets, right? I think he just did. <laughs> wow, I'm going to tell him he said that. I don't want to name names, but here's one. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. 